stolen credit card. That's not as funny as it sounds. After recovering from a heart attack, my own mum lost her footing and broke her hip. I worried I was losing my mind, but it was probably just hiding in the same place as the car keys and the reading glasses and the earring and those concert tickets. In March, it's my 50th. No, I will not be celebrating with a party, and yes, I probably am scared to admit that I am scared or apprehensive. I'm not quite sure what I am, but I definitely don't like it. To be perfectly honest, I'd rather not think about my age at all, but significant birthdays, the kind they helpfully put in huge embossed numbers on the front of cards to signpost the road to death, have a way of forcing the issue. They say that 50 is the new 40, but in the world of work, my kind of work anyway, 50 may as well be 60 or 70 or 80. As a matter of urgency, I need to get younger, not older. It's a question of survival. To get a job, to hold on to my position in the world, to remain marketable and within my sell-by date. To keep the ship afloat, the show on the road. To meet the needs of those who seem to need me more than ever, I must reverse time, or at least get the bitch to stand still. With this goal in mind, the build-up to my half-century will be quiet and totally uneventful. I will not show any outward sign of the panic I feel. I will glide towards it serenely. No more sudden swerves or bumps in the road. Well, that was the plan. Then Emily woke me up. One. Bats in the Belfie. September. Monday, 1.37am. Such a weird dream. Emily is crying. She's really upset. Something about a belfry. A boy wants to come round to our house because of her belfry. She keeps saying she's sorry. It was a mistake. She didn't mean to do it. Strange. Most of my nightmares lately feature me on my unmentionable birthday, having become totally invisible and talking to people who can't hear me or see me. But we haven't got a belfry, I say. And the moment I speak the words aloud, I know that I'm awake. Emily is by my side of the bed, bent over as if in prayer or protecting a wound. Please don't tell Daddy, she pleads. You can't tell him, Mummy. What? Tell him what? I fumble blindly on the bedside table and my baffled hand finds reading glasses, distance glasses, a pot of moisturiser and three foil sheets of pills before I locate my phone. Its small window of milky metallic light reveals that my daughter is dressed in the Victoria's Secret candy pink shorty shorts and camisole I foolishly agreed to buy her after one of our horrible rows. What is it, Em? Don't tell Daddy what. No need to look over to check that Richard's still asleep. I can hear that he's asleep. With every year of our marriage, my husband's snoring has got louder. What began as piglet snufflings twenty years ago is now a nightly hog symphony complete with wind section. Sometimes at the snore's crescendo it gets so loud that Rich wakes himself up with a start, rolls over and starts the symphony's first movement again. Otherwise he is harder to wake than a saint on a tomb. Richard had the same talent for selective nocturnal deafness when Emily was a baby, so it was me who got up two or three times in the night to respond to her cries, locate her blankie, change her nappy, soothe and settle her only for that penitential playlet to begin all over again. Maternal sonar doesn't come with an off switch, worst luck. Mum, Emily pleads, clutching my wrist. I feel drugged. 
I am drugged. I took an antihistamine before bed because I've been waking up most nights between two and three, bathed in sweat, and it helps me sleep through. The pill did its work all too well, and now a thought, any thought at all, struggles to break the surface of dense, clotted sleep. No part of me wants to move. I feel like my limbs are being pressed down on the bed by weights. Mom, please. God, I am too old for this. Sorry, just give me a minute, love. Just coming. I get out of bed onto stiff, protesting feet and put one hand around my daughter's slender frame. With the other, I check her forehead. No temperature, but her face is damp with tears. So many tears that they have dripped onto her camisole. I feel its humid wetness, a mix of warm skin and sadness through my cotton nighty, and I flinch. In the darkness, I plant a kiss on Em's forehead and get her nose instead. Emily is taller than me now. Each time I see her...